Do you want to introduce this one? I'm not sure what you need me to say. I don't know what exactly. <laughs> you just have to say what he just said. Hello, hey. Mary C. <laughs> Hello, Mary C. Quarantine. I'm Father Derek. I'm Father Tim. Let's talk about something about the faith. Okay. You make it sound so easy. Yeah, see that. There we go. Yeah. Now on part two of the the conversion story of Commander Berryhill. Flip tape for side B. So I was like, okay, this Catholicism thing didn't really pan out. So I started uh, searching around, and so I I, uh, I got into Messianic Judaism, which is it's technically Protestantism, but it's like Jewish flavored Protestantism. It's uh, it's for Jews. Who are becoming Christian, but they don't necessarily want to give up a lot of their like hmm. um, the culture and the attributes. They still go to synagogue. They still kind of reverence the Bible and the scrolls that kind of imitate the Torah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was into that for a little while, and I, it seemed like every six months I would find a new religion. I'd get into some new exotic religion, and uh, so I was uh, Baha'i for a little while, and I you know I tested out Buddhism for a little while. I got really into Zoroastrianism for a little while. Whoa. And there is a Zoroastrian temple in Chicago. Isn't that Persian? Yeah. Like Persian religion? It sure is, yeah. Shout out to Rahimi. <laughs> Shout out to Rahimi. Scorpion King. <laughs> Scorpion King. Um, and yeah, I, the, the more exotic, the better. The more esoteric. I got really into like the Gnostic Gospels and Gnosticism. I read you know, the Gospel of St. Thomas and Mary Magdalene, the Gospel of Judas. Ooh. I got really into all of those. Um, but every six months, you know, I'd get into some new faith, and uh, I'd call home and tell my mom, like, "Mom, I'm Baha'i now," and she's like, "Yeah, okay," because you know my mom's like a skeptic. And but you know, each time I'd feel like I'd, I found the one, I found the one faith, and I'd, like this is it. I dive into it, and once you get kind of beyond the surface of it, you realize like uh, this religion isn't really like what I thought it was. There are a lot of like issues and problems that kind of come with it, and so I would just get diverted off to something else. And after a while, I just kind of like fell into like a kind of spiritual despair where I felt like I was just kind of like running in place and like I wasn't really fruitful and maybe there isn't like any kind of real religion or a true religion. So I found my way into like deism and then kind of like Gnosticism, but I knew Gnosticism wasn't really like philosophically tenable. So what was the next option after that? Atheism. Um, So I started reading some of like the new atheist authors, Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins. And this was around the time that I was going to, uh, when I was in flight school for the Army, uh, learning how to fly helicopters. And a, well, a couple different things happened at that point. One was, well, I mean, as I was reading uh, the atheist authors, one thing did come back to me that was good from Loyola. So I took a philosophy of religion class, and I learned about St. Thomas Aquinas and the five ways, and like the argument from contingency, things like that. And in my mind, you know, as I was reading some of these atheists, you know, it, it, that kind of came back to me. And I, and I remember thinking to myself, like, yeah, you know, these atheists, they don't really respond adequately to Thomas Aquinas. Um, and so I never actually, like, became an atheist while I was, like, investigating it. And I never, like, considered myself an atheist because, like, because of Thomas Aquinas. Like, well, they can't really, like, rectify that. 
Um, so that was one thing that was kind of keeping me from going that way. And then the other thing was kind of the skydiving incident that I had uh, while I was in flight school, which was against regulation. They told us specifically, you're, you're not allowed to go fly, uh, skydiving in. That's exactly oh, what so I did. Oh, so this wasn't this... Wait, was this for in the military? You no, this is civilian. Fun thing. Yeah, just a fun thing. Oh, okay. That, uh, and there were quite a few flight school students down there who did it against gotcha. regulation. But oh, you know, boy. yeah. <laughs> oh. And so I started learning how to skydive. I was going for my skydiving A license, and um, on my 14th jump, I experienced a parachute malfunction. The lines were kind of like tangled up, and it was it was deployed, but like not fully. It was kind of like messed up. One of the lines was like over the parachute. And so we usually like deploy our parachute around like 3,000 feet. And at that point, you're looking down at the ground and everything looks just kind of small and you don't, you don't seem to be descending that fast. I'm like, okay, well, this is fine. But once you get down to about 1,000 feet, that's when you turn like your base leg and you get ready for landing. And at 1,000 feet, it's too late to cut away to your reserve parachute. Um, so yeah, I get down to 1,000 feet and I realize just how fast I'm descending. Like, mm. this is faster than what I remember. Like, I think this is, there's a problem, but it's like at 1,000 feet, because you have to, your parachute won't deploy properly unless you reach terminal velocity at about 120 miles an hour. And with 1,000 feet, you can't really get there. Mm. So, like, that's it. You're stuck with what you got at 1,000 feet. Wow. Like, oh, my gosh. And so it's kind of at that point that I'm, like, suddenly rediscovering this God that I used to pray to. I'm like, oh, God, please don't let me die. Please don't let me break anything. And uh, had a very rough landing, hit the, hit the ground really hard, uh, kind of tumbled over a little bit, had the wind knocked out of me. Um, but stood up, dusted myself off, checked my arms, my legs, and oh my gosh, you know, I didn't, I didn't break anything, you know, I'm still alive, hallelujah. And um, just driving home that night, um, I remember thinking to myself, like, well, what if I, what if I would have died? What if I did die? You know, it's not even so much that I, that I would have died, but it's like, what would I have lived for? What would people have remembered me by? Yeah, what would have been like the guiding principle of my life? Because at that point, I like I was the propagator of my own religion. I was my own pope, and so like and that, the skydiving was part of it. That was like almost like a liturgy for me. That I hmm. it was myself pr- proving to myself how much of just an awesome guy I was. And I did this awesome stuff. I was in the army, and I flew helicopters, and I jumped out of airplanes, skydiving, and rock climbing. And it was all just feeding into my ego. And but at that moment, you know, that just kind of like shattered my ego a little bit. And I really had to examine myself and, and really confront my own fallenness and my own limitations and realize, like, I am not a sufficient enough person to be my own God. <laughs> you know? I'm, yeah. a, I'm, I'm a bad God for yeah. myself. And, like, no, there's got to be something higher and something that I can, like, order myself towards. Uh, fast forward several months. Um, I come back. To, I graduate flight school. I come back to Illinois. I'm an officer in the Illinois National Guard flying helicopters. And I meet up with a buddy of mine. We were both roommates at Loyola. He was an atheist when I knew him at Loyola, but he was—he grew up Catholic, and he had reverted back to Catholicism. He had a conversion moment at Loyola, and he started working for Lighthouse Catholic Media, and I had been talking to him. And he knew that I was kind of like searching again for God, and so he gave me a couple of resources. Um, he introduced me to the, uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, kind of the Compendium of Catholic Thought. And doctrine, and then he introduced me to the Catholicism series by Bishop Robert Barron, and um, there are a couple like hot button topics um, in Catholicism that weren't really I didn't really like understand the Catholic teaching on them, so I'd throw up like these objections um, about like marriage and like the Pope and stuff. But once like I figured out what the Catholic Church actually teaches, 
and why they teach it. And there's like whole backing. It's not just some facade. You know, there's stuff behind it. Yeah. Once a couple of those dominoes are kind of knocked down, you know, this whole kind of journey of discovering the faith kind of started coming alive for me. I'm like, oh man, this is kind of what I've been looking for this entire time. And um, I think it wasn't until at the time. So like I was in the Illinois National Guard, it's like a part time kind of deal. And I was working in IT at Sears and um, as a server administrator. And it's like a 40 minute ride there and back because I was living in Tinley Park at the time. And so I listened to these Lighthouse Catholic Media CDs that my friend would give me. And he gave me, uh, Peter Kreef, seven reasons to be Catholic. And the first reason, you know, I'll pop in the CD. The first reason is because it's true. <laughs> Which is just something that, it, it, I mean, it's like obviously, yeah, but it's, it's, it has never even like occurred to me that like, no, this is a historical person who actually did what he did, what we say he did, and said what we say he said. And, like, the reality of it is, like, life-changing. That's just, like, something that I never, like, never really came to full fruition in my mind. But in that moment, like, oh, my gosh. You know, like, he actually existed. It's not just a nice story. It's not just, like, a great myth. Uh, like, this is a real person, and he is who he says he is. And it's kind of, like, in that moment where I kind of, like, finally said yes and, like, decided to... Um, really investigate the Catholic Church and join our CIA and like that's like no I'm becoming Catholic in that moment that's a powerful story yeah it was a long time coming too but uh, yeah. so I guess the most pressing question on my mind is now that you're, you've been studying to be a Catholic priest for going on your third year mm -hmm. what does your family say um yeah, that's a good question, because I'm the only Catholic in my family. I guess you can count my mom, She's, but she's like not non-practicing at this point. Uh, she's only gone to church with me once uh, since I've become Catholic. And that was more so because she didn't trust me with the car, so she had to drive me. In. And so she'd just come with me to the church, yeah. Um, they're generally favorable, but uh, I kind of get a sense that like maybe like my mom, she maybe thinks that... Uh, that there's something else I could be doing with my life, because she, she every so often she say something like, uh, "Wouldn't she? Don't you think you'd be happier doing like what you did before?" Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's like very much against it, and they've basically accepted it. Like, "Oh yeah, Tim, he's becoming a priest," but um, yeah, maybe it's yeah, kind of neither here nor there kind of thing. Yeah, it's funny. I wonder if you were to give them whoever that CD, Chris's CD, if it would have it. The sim a similar effect, probably not at all, right? I've been trying. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've given them like the cate the catechism, the Catholicism series, and yeah, you, yeah. But it just shows like a certain openness on your end, like the spirit working in you. Mm -hmm. Line it up exactly in the same way. They could have fallen out of the sky, you know, with a broken parachute. They could have gone to Loyola, but like God's calling you. God's got. His, his choosing you as an eye on you. Yeah, and that's a good thing to I think about as well. It's like, yeah, you just can't line up a bunch of experiences and expect the same outcome necessarily. So, yeah. Tim, do you want to shout anyone out? Shout out to Irene for providing dinner to me and Andy tonight. Yeah, it was oh, quite nice. tasty. I had some blackened sea bass. And, uh, it was great. Shout out to Derek Whitaker. Uh, he's probably not listening, but he's my friend who kind of introduced me back to Catholicism. Oh, that's the, okay. Derek yeah, Praise God. Yeah. Good name. Is yeah. he related to Forrest Whitaker? No, he's no. not. But I was going to say, Derek in Hebrew means way, path, or road. So That's it. Look at that. Yeah. You're the path to my holiness, Father Derek. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. 
Peace out. Mary Seat Quarantined is a Mary Seat of Wisdom Dynamic Original Podcast. I'm Father Pat. <laughs>